Welcome to the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast. We're dispensing stories of success from across the continuum of care. I'm your host, Hillary Blackburn. Thanks for joining us to learn from leaders throughout the pharmacy industry. Hey listeners, we're bringing you this episode ahead of our regularly scheduled Sunday time because we have some important updates to share about some of the drug pricing proposals being discussed in Congress this week. There are still four, one from Senate Health, one from the Senate Finance Committee, and two in the House, which will be covered in this session. We had the privilege of getting to meet with Congressman Buddy Carter this week, and he'll share a bit about his background as a pharmacist, why he ran for office, some of the healthcare hot topics on the Hill, and what he sees for the future of pharmacy. We hope you like the show. All right, today we have a special guest on the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast. Our guest is Congressman Buddy Carter, who is an experienced businessman, healthcare professional, and faithful servant, public servant, representing the 1st District of Georgia. As the owner of Carter's Pharmacy, South Georgians have trusted Buddy with their most valuable assets, their health, lives, and families for more than 30 years. While running his pharmacy business, he learned how to balance a budget and create jobs. He also saw firsthand the devastating impacts of government overregulation, which drives his commitment to ensuring that the federal government creates policies to empower business instead of increasing burdens on America's job creators. He's a proud graduate of Young Harris College and the University of Georgia, where he earned his Bachelor of Science in Pharmacy. We're honored to have the only pharmacist serving in Congress here with us. Congressman Carter, welcome to the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast. Well, thank you. Appreciate the opportunity. Well, now that our listeners have heard a little bit about your background, maybe you can fill in any gaps from that intro or share a little bit about your personal life. Well, first of all, um, my personal life, I, I've been married for 41 years. I have uh, a bride of 41 years. We actually met at Young Harris College that, that you mentioned earlier. She was my chemistry lab partner, and I went on to the University of Georgia. We got married. We've been married for 41 years now. I've been blessed with three children. We have three uh, three sons and three daughter-in-laws and four grandchildren, so it, that's all good. It's just great. And uh you know, when I got out of pharmacy school in 1980, I started practicing and worked for someone for eight and a half years and went into business for myself. And at that time, I, I um, was mainly focusing on the retail part of it, but I also had an um, institutional pharmacy that I was servicing nursing homes. And I started out with just two nursing homes. Before I knew it, I had four, then six. And then I separated my businesses, just did the retail and then the institutional, and ended up selling the institutional some years later to a company out of Cincinnati, Ohio, Omnicare. And now, and then had three drug stores, three independent retail pharmacies. and and sold two of them a couple of years ago, and uh, now my wife owns one. Of course, when you become a member of Congress, you have to divest yourself of all business interests, so she is the owner of that pharmacy, but um, I'm still very involved. I, whenever I'm home, I go by there and check on them, and they do a great job and still um, still have a passion for pharmacy. It's just been a great profession. I think it's a, a wonderful healthcare profession for those who don't necessarily want to practice medicine, but want to be able to to practice in the healthcare fields. It's just a, a truly a blessing for me. 
Speaking of education, are you aware of the 2014 Drug Disposal of Controlled Substances ruling that regards safe disposal of unused medications? Well, we're lucky to have RX Destroyer sponsoring the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast. RX Destroyer ready-to-use chemical drug disposal systems are safe, easy, and affordable products, which protect the environment and can save thousands in fines. To get more information on products, training, and medication waste, compliance, check out www.rxdestroyer.com slash talk to your pharmacist. Absolutely. And it's helpful to hear a little bit about your journey and background and um, some of the the successes that you had as a pharmacy owner. Um, We touched a little bit about this in your intro, but could you tell us a little bit more about why you decided to run for office and Um, what it's like being in Congress. Sure. Well, first of all, I've always felt it was important to be involved. And when I was in high school, I was uh, primarily involved in my church and leadership in my church and not necessarily at school. When I went to Young Harris, I was president of freshman class. Um, When I opened my business on November 21st of 1988 in Pooler, I knew I needed to become involved in the community, so I volunteered. I served on the Planning and Zoning Committee. Then I ran for city council. Then I ran for mayor. Then I ran for state rep. Then I ran for state senate. And now I'm serving in Congress. So, I mean, let's face it, um, we've been truly blessed in this, you know, my community, which is near where I grew up and have lived all my life. um, They've given a lot to me, so I wanted to give back to the community and be involved. And I think it's very important with with pharmacists that we be involved. We're uh, some of the most well-respected members of the community, and we should be involved. And and that's been very important for me, and I've really enjoyed um, my time in the public sector. It's obviously an honor to serve in the United States Congress. It's an honor to represent pharmacy, and I take it very seriously. And, you know, the old saying goes, if, uh, if you're not at the table, then you're on the menu. Well, finally, we're at the table, and finally our voice is being heard. And we really have made progress in the five years that I've been up here. Um, I'm a member of the Doctors' Caucus, which was no easy endeavor. I had to kind of elbow my way into that caucus. They never had a pharmacist before, but um, I'm in like Flint now, so I'm a a valued member of that committee. And, you know, it's just a a very nice feeling to be able to go in there and start talking about prescription drug costs and start talking uh, about how we're going to address that. And and just sit back and listen to the to the members of the doctors caucus who understand PBMs now who mm-hmm. didn't at one time but they understand what's going on with PBMs and with the middleman and with the need for transparency and mm-hmm. and I just sit back and let them carry the 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 water bucket for me and they do mm-hmm. wow um, you have definitely been very involved, and I love seeing uh, pharmacists are always seen as leaders in their community, and you've certainly ex- exemplified that throughout your life and stayed busy uh, while managing a business, too, and uh, being a part of the team, so uh, being able to work closely with the Doctors Caucus, I love that. Uh, so there are a lot of hot topics uh, pharmacy-related right now. Um, I know that, that the PBM regulation has been something that you've certainly championed and um, have had a lot of successes with that. Um, we've, we've also got the drug pricing plan or a few different plans. Um, there's, there's a lot of expertise that you bring to the table as a pharmacist uh, in this time period. So 
you can pick. What would you like to touch on? Well, first on? of all, I think it's important for the listeners to know that um, currently we are considering a number of different um, bills dealing with prescription drug pricing. One of the president's uh, main initiatives has been to lower prescription drug costs, and that's very important. Look, I've, I've practiced pharmacy since 1980, and I've seen nothing short of miracles in the way of the research and development and what drugs have come to market. I can remember a time when, um, you know, if you need an antibiotic, you had to get tetracycline, you had to get 40 of them, take four a day for 10 days. And now look at what we can do. I can remember a time when people were in the hospital for things that we can treat now without them even being in the hospital. Mm-hmm. I, I give the example of um, Sovaldi, which is, uh, of course, a drug for hepatitis C. I mean, I can remember a time when you, if you were diagnosed with hepatitis C, you were going to die. I mean, that's all there was to it. Think how phenomenal it is now that we can actually cure that disease with a pill. Mm -hmm. I mean, that is phenomenal. Now, having said that, you know, if that pill is so expensive that you can't afford it, then it does you no good whatsoever. And we have to make sure that we address that situation. And we as pharmacists know that that there are ways that we can address that situation without having to have price controls. I'm not in favor of the heavy hand of the government being involved in setting price controls. Now, the pharmaceutical manufacturers need to do a better job with their pricing, but we need to have transparency. We need to see what's going on in the drug supply chain. Some time back, we had... um, we had a situation with EpiPens that were so expensive, and and that was especially upsetting to members of Congress because here they were, here in, in, in Congress, we were actually requiring um, airlines to have the EpiPens on the, airline, on the airplane, having them in gymnasiums, having them readily available, mm-hmm. and yet they were, they were, let's face it, the company was price gouging, and... and all of a sudden it was costing over $600 for a, a, a dual pack of EpiPen, and, and, and it's just epinephrine, something that's been around forever. Well, we had uh, a hearing in the Oversight and Investigations Committee that I served on at that time, and I actually had the CEO of the company, Myland, the manufacturer of that, and I asked her, I said, okay, you're the manufacturer, I'm the pharmacist. You're the beginning, I'm the end. Mm-hmm. I said, when it leaves you, how much does it cost? And she gives the example, and she said it costs $150. I, and I have no reason to doubt her. Mm-hmm. She says it costs $150. I said, okay, when it gets to me and I charge the patient, it's $600. What happened in between? Nobody knows. They don't. There's no transparency, and mm-hmm. that's why we need transparency. Now, I, I'm not opposed to anybody making money, and, and I understand that. However, tell me what the middleman, what the, pharma, what the pharmacy benefit managers, what value they're bringing to the system. They're not putting any money back in the research and development. At least the pharmaceutical manufacturers are putting money back in the research and development, and that's very important. That's why the current legislation that we have on the table right now, H.R. 3, which is Speaker Pelosi and the Democrats' proposal to decrease prescription drug costs. That's why I'm opposed to it, because it will essentially, in the Congressional Budget Office, has already estimated that 8 to 15 drugs that would have come to market in the next decade will probably not come to market as a result of this legislation. Now, would that one of those 8 to 15 drugs happen to be the cure for Alzheimer's? Would it happen to be the cure for ALS? We don't know, but that's not a chance that we can take. 
Not only that, but I think it's important to note that there are other ways we can decrease the price of medications without having to go to that type of price controls. Mm -hmm. That's why I'm opposed to it, and that's why we in the Republican Party have proposed H.R. 19, which is the More Cures, Lower Cost Prescription Act. We don't put price controls on there. We encourage more research and development, more cures. However, we are successful in a bipartisan way of lowering prescription drug cost, and it can be done. We all know it can be done without having the government's heavy hand of drug price controls having to enter into it. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, hopefully, so that will be coming here in the next week, uh, yes, hopefully before be the end week. of the year. Great. Excellent. Um, well, I know that, that there's definitely been a lot of attention on it, and hopefully we can get some bipartisan support to get some of this passed soon. Yes. Um, another uh, topic is, uh, of course, all of the drug shortages. We've seen Valsartan, we've seen Ridinidine, and now we're seeing Metformin. I know that, you, that you're involved in, in some of the oversight on what's happening with the uh, supply chain. Can you tell us a little bit about that work? Well, that's first of all, that's been very frustrating. I don't understand this. I never understood it, even when I was practicing, how mm-hmm. some of these drugs that have been around forever, all of a sudden we're having a shortage of them. We've had, we had a situation earlier this year in our office where we were inundated with calls. I can't remember the, the name of the um, uh, pediatric cancer drug that all of a sudden um, Teva had stopped manufacturing it, yet the, the, the brand manufacturer couldn't replace the, it was only, they were only accounting for like 3% of the market. And then as fate would have it, they had some manufacturing problems with that drug. It caused a shortage. And, I mean, we're talking about a drug that's used for pediatric cancer here. Mm-hmm. That's, that's unacceptable. Mm-hmm. So this is something that we have to address. And we've had the FDA before our committee. I serve on the Energy and Commerce Committee. I think that's very important to note because uh, the Energy and Commerce Committee, first of all, is, is the broadest and, and oldest and most diverse committee in Congress. But most importantly to us, it includes the health subcommittee. Mm-hmm. And that's what I serve on is the health subcommittee. Mm-hmm. So that's why it's that's why I say we finally have a place at the table. Mm-hmm. And, and finally, we have a voice there to be heard. Right. But we've had the FDA before us, and we have questioned them and, and had them on the on the hot plate asking him, you know, tell us what's wrong here. What do we have to do to end these drug shortages? Mm-hmm. And you know what happens as well as I do. The price all of a sudden spikes and, mm-hmm. and goes up, and there's just no excuse for some of these older drugs like this for them to be that expensive. Mm-hmm. And it was vincristine. I forgot. Yes. It was vincristine yeah. was one of mm-hmm. the pediatric cancer drug that was shorted. Yeah. Wow. Well, there. yes, certainly interesting to see hopefully some new ways that we can incentivize more manufacturing even being here. I know that there's been also some issues with um, uh, things coming over from China. They're making about 80% of our API or active pharmaceutical ingredients. So I know that that's something that your committee is looking at too. It is. In fact, we just had a hearing on that just in the um, uh, just a couple of weeks ago, and that is something we're very concerned with. And, of course, the president has made it a point that he wants more manufacturing moving back to the United States and not as much overseas, and that's certainly something we're concerned about and making sure not only are we getting 
you know, quality medication than safe medications, but also that there's a steady supply, mm-hmm. and that's very important to us. Mm-hmm. Okay, the last uh, healthcare topic we'll go to is the Medicare for All. That's yes. also very hot topic right now. Tell us a little bit about what work you're doing on that. Well, interestingly enough, we had a hearing in the Health Subcommittee earlier today on the Medicare for All, and you know, Medicare for All is actually Medicare for no one, and, and we've seen and. Uh, keep in mind, one of the examples that we used in, in, in my questioning earlier today of the panel, wit- of the witnesses on the panel that we had was, what about the availability of some of these drugs in, in countries that uh, limit and, and have, you know, a, a one-payer system? Mm-hmm. For instance, in the UK, they only have like in 74% of the drugs that are available to, here, to us here in America mm-hmm. are available to the people in the UK. Interestingly enough, one of them that really struck my attention, Australia, which I don't consider to be a third world country at all, Mm -hmm. but they only have 28% of the drugs available to their people in that country that are available here to us in America. Really? As a a result of government control of their healthcare system. And and that's just unacceptable. Medicare for all, first of all, the price on that it, it has been estimated to be like in thirty trillion dollars. Mm-hmm. I mean, it would actually bankrupt our economy. I mean, there's no question about it. So, it, it is just something that is just pie in the sky that unfortunately is is not going to be achievable. Yeah. All right, so let's switch gears a little bit. What do you see for the future of pharmacy? There's been a lot of change happening, not only in the healthcare industry overall, but certainly within the profession. What are you seeing forecasting for the future in your crystal ball? Well, I see a very bright future for pharmacy. I see a more clinically oriented future for pharmacy. Let's face it, the pharmacists who are graduating today and have graduated for the past 10, 15 years are so clinically superior to to when I graduated. Uh, Mm -hmm. Their knowledge and their their abilities, clinically speaking, is, is far superior to anything that we ever thought that we'd be able to achieve. Mm-hmm. Pharmacists are part of the healthcare team now. I mean, yep. they're part of the team in the hospital making rounds, and they're an integral part of the team. And I've always felt like pharmacists were some of the most overeducated and underutilized healthcare professionals out there. Mm-hmm. We, are some of, we are the most accessible healthcare professionals in America. In many of the rural areas, it's the pharmacist who who acts as the physician and everything. So that's very important, and I see that as being the future, and and I see a very bright future for, for pharmacy. Awesome. All right, so as our final question, what is some advice that you would tell your younger self or for other pharmacists who are just getting started in their career? I would tell them that they need to be involved. Um, and, and, you know, listen, if you think for one moment that the government does not impact your profession, you're wrong. You need to rethink that. You have to make sure that you get involved. It is extremely important. And it may not necessarily be as a member of Congress, may not necessarily be in the state legislature. It may be, you know, you're a member of your, your homeowners association or city council. All of that's extremely important. Pharmacists are some of the most well-respected professionals in America, and we have been truly blessed and should truly be involved. And, and that would be what I would encourage everyone to do is to be involved in their communities and, and to get out there and, and to fight for, for health care because it's, it's under attack right now. And we have to make sure that, that health care and the delivery of services uh, continue. 
All right. Great words of advice. Get involved as you certainly have been. And thank you so much for sharing some time with us and being a guest on the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. It was so fun to be in D.C. and get to meet with Congressman Carter, our only pharmacist in Congress, and hear a little bit about the work that he's doing to bring pharmacies a seat at the table. And if you enjoyed this episode, be sure to check out the show notes at www.pharmacyadvisory.com and follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Talk to Your Pharmacist. Thanks for listening to this episode of Talk to Your Pharmacist, produced by the Pharmacy Advisory Group. If you liked this episode, let us know by subscribing to the podcast, rating, and reviewing it. Share it with friends. And if you want to be a guest or know a pharmacist leader who has a great story to tell, connect with me, Hillary Blackburn, on LinkedIn and check out our Facebook page, Pharmacy Advisory Group for updates on new podcasts. Thanks for listening.